0: Horror Critic.
1: Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And we are our killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never put a spell on you, but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So, <laughs> so tonight, other than my terrible singing voice, we are discussing the 1993 film Hocus Pocus to wrap up our Entering Gateway horror theme. So this is a film directed by Kenny Ortega, uh, who began his career directing music videos, has a ton of work in that field. Uh, also worked as an AD on Ferris Bueller's Day Off <laughs> All right. before doing this. this wa- uh, his feature debut was actually Newsies, which <gasps> I know you're a fan of. Of course. This was his sophomore feature. He also went on to direct the high school musical movies, <laughs> as well as the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp Again. And the film was written by Mick Garris, who many of you know as... The director of Critters 2, Sleepwalkers, which we've talked about here. Uh, He created the show Masters of Horror, which is amazing if you've never seen it. Only ran for two seasons. Shouldn't run for longer. (laughs) Uh, But he also produced uh, and and did a segment for Nightmare Cinema, which is kind of a continuation of that, which is also very good. So you should check out that anthology film. And let's see, the script is also written by Neil Cuthbert, who wrote The Return of Swamp Thing and Mystery Men. Uh, which are both very fun.
2: <laughs> all of this and makes sense now, knowing all the it, people who worked on this. This movie makes sense.
1: And so the film stars uh, Omri Katz as Max. Uh, he first appeared in the Simon and Simon series. This was uh, his first feature. Was Adventures in Dinosaur City, which. I have actually never seen or don't recall. I've never even
2: heard of that, but now I must see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 if I remember correctly, I think it's either late '80s or early '90s dinosaur movie, obviously. So, Amazing. Uh, he starred in the Erie, Indiana series, and then, and and now actually works as an LA hairdresser, according to the interwebs. What? <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> uh, which is pretty random, but cool fact. Uh, it also has Thora Birch as Danny, who she got her start in TV with a series called Day by Day, uh, has appeared in a lot of great films such as Patriot Games, uh, Monkey Trouble, which I did not remember the film Monkey Trouble until doing research for this. I don't know if it's about a little girl that like gets a, a pet monkey, basically, and they just <laughs> cause havoc. I I didn't I had I had not thought about that movie <laughs> since my childhood. Until researching this, uh, she's also in American Beauty, The whole and the upcoming Wednesday series, which I believe is the scheduling conflict that she had for why she couldn't do Hocus Pocus 2. I don't know that for sure, but I would imagine that was probably the case. It also has Vanessa Shaw as Allison, who first appeared in Home Sweet Home. Uh, she's also been in the films Eyes Wide Shut, The Hills Have Eyes remake. Uh, was recently in the very good we need to do something which is a great kind of bottle horror film if you're into those and then it also has sarah jessica parker as sarah who uh, appeared in the film footloose and and mars attacks which i absolutely adore uh she's probably best known of course for her role in sex in the city series which she starred in And she also will be in the upcoming Hocus Pocus 2. I know a lot of you are probably wondering, but what about that other person? And I'm not really going to talk about the transphobe today very much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure many of you know who I'm talking about, the head witch of the film. Listen, I'm just not going to give a lot of airtime to people who basically blame trans people for, you know, some kind of like disappearance of the gender of women or whatever. Just a bunch of bullshit. And look. You know, you can argue uh, whether or not, like, like you know, she apologized and says that that's not what she meant and all that kind of stuff with her with her recent comments. But you know, the the way I look at it is like you live in the fucking year 2022. Maybe don't blame things like that on the trans community. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe don't maybe don't attack them during a time when they are being attacked consistently. Sorry, right, that's my one serious note of the. The episode so let's get into (laughs) what it's about so if you've never seen Hocus Pocus this is essentially a film about Max and his sister Danny who have just moved to the new town of Salem (laughs) and on Halloween night Max checks out the old house of the Sanderson sisters with Allison and Danny And decides to light the black candle or the black flame or whatever. The black Uh, flame candle. (laughs) The black flame candle, uh, which is supposed to bring back the Sanderson trio of witches on Halloween night if lit by a virgin... And he decides to do it as a joke, and of course it brings them back. And then it's up to these dumbass kids to, <laughs> <laughs> to stop these three witches from eating all of the children of Salem. <laughs> you yeah,
2: know, just your typical Halloween night.
1: Typical Halloween night. Uh, I-, I wish all my Halloween nights were like this. Um, do you? <laughs> t- yes, of course I do. Who doesn't want to fight witches on Halloween night? Anyway, so those of you that have never seen the film, we are going to be spoiling everything with it. So if you have not seen it, please go check it out. It is streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, otherwise, we're going to ruin just everything about this movie for you. Yep. <laughs> uh, but that being said, we have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content, so we'll let you know when we're getting into spoilers. So just as usual, the tagline versus the film, what we think of the tagline of the movie overall. So the tagline for Hocus Pocus was, It's just a bunch of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> So what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Hocus Pocus overall?
2: I mean, obviously, perfect tagline because it's also a perfect line from the film. So obviously, obviously, love it. Um, look, this absolutely is my jam. Hocus Pocus was, if I had to specify a movie for being my gateway horror, it would be Hocus Pocus Mm. because this movie has everything for like young intro to horror people people who don't even know that they like horror yet are gonna like hocus pocus and maybe be interested in seeing more because like it's super fun and it's silly and it's got great costuming and everybody's in it to win it with their acting
1: in it to win in it, it, to win um. it.
2: <laughs> you know and it's it's just that little bit of scary that like intros you into like horror in such a good way and like i absolutely was that disney movie bitch so that was all my intro to horror
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Hocus Pocus is interesting because it was actually originally a sort of bedtime story that producer David Kirchner would tell his kids uh, as something kind of spooky around Halloween. It's loosely based on a trio of so-called witches, I believe, from Salem, if I remember correctly. Very, very, very loosely based. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, it did fine, when it released but it wasn't like a box office hit you know i think it only i i want to say it only made roughly about 10 million over its budget which really isn't hugely successful so this was a film that you know kind of became the sort of the quintessential kids halloween movie through tv you know Mm because i believe it would play annually on disney and channels like that and and that's where my sister and i discovered it and you know I don't know about you, but for me, or for us, it became kind of one of those sort of, like, bonding movies uh, for us as siblings uh, because, you know, it is about a brother and sister that are conflicted, so to say, <laughs> and, and 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 deals a lot with, like, siblings and stuff like that. So So, you know, it just kind of became one of those movies that my sister and I watched a lot together. We really enjoyed doing that together. It was kind of the... My sister didn't watch a lot of horror with me, but this was kind of one of those things that she did watch with me all the time, like Nightmare Before Christmas, and so, you know, so it was kind of special in that way, and and yeah, and the film just became just a huge hit through tv you know this did become the film that kids would watch every halloween like if you grew up in the 90s you probably grew up watching hocus pocus
2: (laughs) it's still tradition for me it's not october or october can't end until i've seen hocus pocus them's the rules
1: right exactly no if again if you grew up in the 90s (laughs) and you enjoyed this movie it's probably an annual watch for you still you know so and i also gotta say about it too you know on on revisit and just really trying to study it like This is actually a pretty brave movie for Disney in a lot of ways because it is, you know, let's just put it this way. The 90s was so different for kids horror from the way that it is today. You know, like I cannot and we've talked about that a lot throughout this month, but I cannot stress enough how much safer kids horror is now compared to back then, you know, because there's some pretty
2: dark shit in this one.
1: Well, there was dark shit in all of Kids Horror back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, Goosebumps was pretty dark and scary. Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, was fucking killing kids and shit, you know, <laughs> in their episodes. Uh, and in Hocus Pocus here, I mean, a fucking child dies in the opening of the movie, you know? And it's not like a horrific death by any means, but a child still dies. A child still dies. And And there is some stuff in this movie that we'll get to later on that you know, is pretty goddamn dark for a kid's movie. <laughs> uh, like, very upsetting, actually, watching it as an adult. Like, things that I didn't think about as a kid that now are like, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> but, you know, as a kid, we ignore these things. We, yeah. grow, we grow up on Bambi's mom dying and whatever, so we're kind of... used to death. <laughs> so we're used to those things. At least the 90s kids were. I don't know about today, you know. Today, kids probably watch Bambi and they... You know, or like traumatized for weeks. I don't know. But <laughs> but anyway, so we are going to move in the spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen Hocus Pocus, please go check it out. Stream it on Disney Plus. Rent it. Whatever. Well worth your rental dollars. Otherwise, it's going to ruin everything for you. So that being said, get in the spoilers now. So let's, I think, just start off with the obvious. And that is the portrayal of the witches, a.k.a. the Sanderson sisters. Like I mentioned, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, the transphobe. And (laughs) and uh, (laughs) Kathy and Jimmy, who plays Mary. Uh, So what what do you think of the Sanderson sisters?
2: I mean, look, I obviously love them. I mean, they were a huge part of my childhood. I mean, they're super stylish. They're really funny and they won't fuck you up. I mean, at least Winifred will. Sarah and Mary yeah. will
1: they? Will they fuck you up? I mean, I would, I would argue that the film consistently points out that they're pretty terrible at that. So
2: okay, Sarah and Mary—they <laughs> Mary. can, can't
1: even take on a fucking pair of teenagers and a little girls. So. To be
2: fair, I don't think that I could. I'm pretty sure that I would get outsmarted by small children at this point
1: well then maybe you should be a part of the sanderson sisters <laughs> you know I what know. i would love that
2: i would love that but no i i really like them um, i think when i first saw hocus pocus one of the reasons why i love them so much is i was really into fairy tales and that's what i kind of think is cool with hocus pocus um because it's i like the fact that we're doing this movie and we did Paranorman because i think that it both takes on like the witch trials in a different way sort of like, very, different ways. very different way. Very different way. <laughs> Paradorm points out like how fucked up it is.
1: Where um, and, and I mean, and this is the thing with the movie that's a little bit of an issue. I think hmm. as as we get older, is that uh, it's very much not a good representation <laughs> of <laughs> of the Salem witch trials. You know, no. it 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 certainly leans into a lot of negative stereotypes with yep. witches and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I'm not going to get too much into this but because it's not like a big part of the movie, but mm-hmm. I would also say that, you know, especially now revisiting it, th- there's some like, you know, sexism and kind oh, of an- yeah. an- anti-Semitism that sort of works into it here, mm-hmm. you know, like for those, you know, because because the the witches' tropes as they were, were a little bit or had some history in anti-Semitism, you know, like mm-hmm. from from the big noses and the the otherness you know and the the worshiping of satan like these these were all things that christians were sort of persecuting jews for long before the term witch actually came about the way that we know it you mm-hmm. know or, or before the salem trials like it was already a term kind of being used to represent uh the jewish community and others so mm-hmm. so there's definitely a lot of that that works into it and <laughs> and the witches are definitely lean pretty heavily into that
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like this is this is always the difficult thing with something like this because like it does perpetuate a lot of that stuff it does i mean look
1: in the early 90s it was fine <laughs> like <laughs> in, in the early 90s we weren't talking about that stuff but, you know <laughs> certainly 30 years later like well well i still really like the film and it hasn't you know, aged poorly outside of some things like that, you know, that, that part specifically is kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I think I'm glad that we're kind of doing witches a little bit differently now, a little bit more like Paranorman.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's definitely nice that we're starting to like recognize and like talk about that kind of stuff a little bit more. Um, cause yeah, this wouldn't very much, they're trying to sweep the Salem witch trials kind of under the rug. Very a Paranormans, like, (laughs) village. Um, Well, I
1: don't know if they necessarily sweep it under the rug, but it's more kind of like, hey, yeah, no, we were totally justified (laughs) burning people.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing, is this one is doing less Salem witch trials and more fairy tale witches. For sure. Yeah. You know, like the you're... Grimm's
1: fairy tales. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm always torn with characters like this because like, I think the Sanderson sisters are fucking dope. And I oh, would, ab- and I would absolutely love to be one of them. And it's kind of one of those like weird, interesting things that we have to like look at in horror of, we don't get a lot of female villains and it mm. sucks and we want more where we see the most amount of female villains is stuff like witchcraft and things well, like Hocus I Pocus. I want to correct
1: you slightly. It's not that we don't get a lot of female horror villains, because, mm-hmm. I mean, the irony is that we actually do. The problem is that they never get sequels. Yeah. <laughs> or, in the case of Hocus Pocus, they get them 30 years <laughs> later. You know, so, <laughs> so that that's always been my issue with that, is that, mm-hmm. you know, because I agree, and I think that's one of the great things about the Sanderson sisters, is that, you know they were kind of like these, you know, female horror icons that mm-hmm. uh, the girls like yourself can kind of grow up with and I and you know worship or <laughs> or be inspired by or like have that. But yeah, there's always been the issue of like, you know, female horror villains just don't get a lot of sequels. They don't mm-hmm. get to continue and really sort of build that kind of iconicism that someone like Freddy Krueger does, right? So
2: yeah, yeah, and I feel like a lot of times. You know where when we look at a genre uh, within the horror community where we see you know a surplus of female villains is stuff like this. It's it's witches. It's always witches and eating children. It's it's, it's
1: always witches and like long-haired ghost girls.
2: (laughs) It is, and that's dope and amazing. And like, I'll take the representation I can get. Yeah, I mean wherever you can
1: get it, right? (laughs) Yeah,
2: but uh, you know sometimes. You don't want that. The one thing I will give Hocus Pocus that I really like, that I feel, you know, doesn't necessarily break the mold, because we do see this as well, but, like, we get hot witches. Like. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things of, like, it's always up in the. I mean, e-
1: Sarah Jessica Parker, like, damn, I had a crush she, on her in this movie when I was a kid. She's so fucking <laughs> gorgeous.
2: I would do anything for her.
1: I would do anything to her. Ew.
2: <laughs> you can do that part. <laughs>
1: But I would do anything for her to do anything to her. So. <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, you know, as as a young teenager, <laughs> you know, or, or I mean, I wasn't a teenager when I first watched Hocus Pocus, but, you know, as a young boy <laughs> learning about sex and stuff like that, I mean, of course, you know, part of the draw of Hocus Pocus for me was the witches, especially Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, the whole, the whole moment in the film when she sings the song – you know, to to lure all the little kids and come mm-hmm. little children or whatever. Like, I, I woman, you don't even have to say a full sentence. I'm already wandering towards your witch cabin with <laughs> with like my trick or treat bag and my pajamas. I don't give a shit. You know, like I will follow you wherever you go. So. I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna take like, the full song because it's a gorgeous song.
1: Oh, it's a gorgeous song, and yeah. I actually love it. And of course, it makes sense that it's a big part of this movie, considering you know where the director comes from in his music oh, yeah. video uh, career, but. Uh, But no, I mean, look, as a kid, that, you know, that was one of the interesting things about a movie like this is like, you know, I remember being very attracted to the witches in a sort of way of like, hmm, I'm very intrigued by them and I'm interested. But, you know, I, upon first seeing this movie, I don't think I had quite realized why just yet, (laughs) you know? 'Cause like at seven, I don't remember if I'm like thinking about those things or not, you know? But <laughs> I feel like that
2: would be weird, but what do I know?
1: I don't know. But 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 yeah, I mean definitely by the time I reached like twelve or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, no, I I understand why I enjoy parts of this movie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just thought they were so fun. Like Sarah and and Mary, I would love to be sisters with them.
1: They're great. I mean, look, all all three, you know, even though, even despite the one I don't want to talk about much, like all three are really good in the movie. Oh, they're fantastic. But Winifred
2: will hit you and I don't want that.
1: (laughs) And I mean, yeah, actually getting more into the movie a little bit is, you know, I think the thing that's really interesting about them that... That I kind of love from a storytelling perspective is that, you know, this film being about Max and being this kid who is very much like, you know, he doesn't want the responsibility of his sister. He kind of mm-hmm. blames her for a lot of things. You know, he's just not a very good brother. Aww. <laughs> and at first, at first. You know, he's not a very good brother at first. Max is kind of a shithead. And... <laughs> And, and, you know, this film is very much about that sort of sibling relationship, which we'll get into a sec, where, you know, you have Binx and Emily from the opening and then, mm-hmm. you know, the Sanderson sisters and Max and Danny. And, you know, it's basically like the thing I kind of take away from the witches that's fun is that to me, they're sort of like this representation of, you know, basically all of Max's kind of worst traits as a brother yeah you know like each one separately kind of represents different things about him in a sense where you know like uh like sarah for instance is is the very sex obsessed one right and what's max's whole deal his whole deal is basically giving a finger to whatever danny wants because he wants to get fucked by allison you know like he (laughs) like
2: i mean can you blame him
1: no, of course I can't blame him. <laughs> Allison is like 10 times out of his league. I'm not even sure how she's interested in him, but <laughs> um but but you know, so of course I can't blame him, but but no, but he's very much like driven by that, you mm-hmm. know. He's very driven by sex. Of course he is. He's a fucking young teenager, you know. So of course he's driven by that, but he but you know, he's putting Danny aside for that basically. Danny doesn't mm-hmm. want to go to the Sanderson cabin. She wants to go trick or treating, you know. And Max yeah. is basically like fuck you. And then of course Winterfred, especially you know Winterfred is this character who projects all of these different flaws of herself onto her sisters. Where you know she, uh, I, I I'm trying to remember her line specifically, but she'll she'll kind of say things of like you know they called us ugly, mm-hmm. you know when it's just someone calling her ugly or something like that. You know like she likes to project on them and she blames them for all of her problems. And Max is very much the same way. Max basically blames Danny for getting bullied in one scene. Yeah. You know, where he's like, you embarrassed me. And it's like, no, Max, you embarrassed yourself.
2: <laughs> That's very true.
1: You know, Danny had nothing to do with it. Danny was trying to help you.
2: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say she was necessarily trying to help him either, but... No,
1: but she was trying to defend him, you know? and and
2: She was, yes. And
1: I would say that she <laughs> didn't say anything that didn't help Max, you know? It just, Max is... A fucking little dicks,
2: (laughs) as most older brothers are. As
1: they are, and as I was.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this will be interesting because we do have a younger sibling and an older brother, so we'll we'll defend our positions.
1: Well, you don't have to defend anything. I I totally acknowledge being a shitty older brother. Like my, you know, not that my sister was perfect, but like Mm -hmm. I do, I do look at this movie and see myself at that age in Max a little bit, and how I wish I would have been a little bit more like Binks.
2: <laughs> I mean, Binks also let his sister die.
1: He didn't let her die. He tried to save her, He Chris. did. <laughs> he spends 300 years as a fucking cat, doing God knows what <laughs> as a cat. And eating I,
2: mice. He tells us this.
1: Eating mice, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> random, random sidetrack. I've always wondered what binks's life has been like for these 300 years you know Mm. because because you got to imagine i mean he's a fucking cat right yeah and just because he's a human boy inside of a cat body doesn't mean that there aren't other cats coming up to binks and being like yo what's up you know like (laughs) like like you know i I just are
2: are you wondering if thackeray binks in the body of a cat is getting his fuck on
1: i'm just saying (laughs) 300 years is a long time to not do anything, you know, like, I, I'm sure, I, I mean, I'm sure at a certain point he's like, I'm stuck in this cat body. I'm not going to not do something, you know, like, so, so it's just very complicated. Like, what is, what has Binks been doing? Has he been, has he been giving more into his, his boy mind, you know, and is he like, <laughs> is he like stalking like women as a cat and like watching them <laughs> through the window and shit? Or is he, or is he, you know, maybe going off and, and getting a little, getting some cat, you know?
2: <laughs> I feel like this is one of those moments that I'm very glad I'm ace because I never thought about this. I was just like, oh, he's just wandering the town. Having not, a good old time. Mean, I'm
1: not thinking about it like, oh, yeah, Bink's getting oh, that be, cat butt. You know, be <laughs> like, even
2: creepier.
1: <laughs> but look, okay. We have the
2: natural question. Is he fucking?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a very fair question to ask. And has the an- he has, Binks, yes. has Binks fucked or or, you know, given into temptation in a cat yes, body? Absolutely. <laughs> over the last 300 years. If you have
2: taught me anything on this podcast is that people will fuck anything and everything. Yeah. So he definitely is fucking cats.
1: Okay, well there. So we solved yeah. it. <laughs> it solved. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, look, so speaking about Binks, you know, we do have this very intricate, you know, sort of theme of siblings basically in the film mm. and where, wit- where the witches are a representative, I think, of like Max's worst qualities, I think Binks is then kind of the alternate to that. You know, Binks is like basically the-, the qualities that Max either should strive for or does strive for mm-hmm. secretly, you know, because <laughs> he won't admit it. He won't admit that, you know, he loves Danny and-, and would do anything for her. And maybe he wouldn't in the beginning of the film. But but I feel like Binks is kind of there to sort of show him of, like, you know, of, like, look, he's kind of this glimpse that Max has into a second chance to have a relationship with his sister, you know? Because mm-hmm. cause here's Binks, this kid that basically sacrifices himself to become a fucking cat for 300 years, you know, in, in honor of his sister, and it, he's basically just kind of, like, you know, this... Presents this choice for Max of like, I, I have been willing to basically make this my life, uh, because of trying to save my sister. The least you can do is fucking take your sister <laughs> trick or treating and not be a little bitch about it, you know? <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> I mean, I definitely do agree with you that I think that Binks is the the ghost of brotherly future if he fucks up. Um, because he that's is, one way to put it. Yeah. yeah, he is the the ultimate like consequence ostensibly of what can happen if you fuck up as a big brother. I feel like you're not giving Max quite enough credit. And it's it's one of the things that I like about this movie.
1: Are it, you kidding me? Max is terrible in this first act. <laughs> he Ma- is the worst. He is everything that I look back on this and I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I was a shit child.
2: <laughs> Max is an asshole and he is a dumbass and he's not necessarily a great person. But one of the things that I do like about Hocus Pocus and specifically with the sibling bond and what both of them are going through... They don't talk about it much, but it's both of them also reacting to being moved to a completely new town. Like, a lot of the shit that we're seeing with Max, we figure out later on, or pretty early on, I feel like, that it's not really Max's personality. He's in high school and he's trying to figure out how does he fit in with these new people? How does he be cool? He thinks that it's cool in the beginning of the movie. To say that Halloween is a corporate, like, event fuck you max for that thing. But he thinks that that makes is going to make him cool and it obviously doesn't. And he's mm. getting bullied and he's having enough t- a tough time and like most kids, he takes it out on the person who annoys him, which is the younger sibling.
1: I mean, right, but you know, we're we're adults. We know that that's not okay though, right? So like We the- do,
2: but he's a teenager. He's an idiot.
1: No, I mean, I get that, but what I'm trying to s- I don't care what his <laughs> reason is, you know? I'm just trying to speak from the from the movie's perspective. And the movie's perspective is that Max is not treating his sister the way that he should be. Yeah. You know, right. and that, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter that Max is upset. Like, I mm-hmm. totally get it. I was a kid that moved around a lot, too. You know, like, I moved way more than a few times <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, between the time that I was born and 18 or whatever, you know? And so, so, like, I get it. Moving's hard. Moving sucks. We talked a little bit about this with our episode on Goosebumps and kind of how that movie's a lot about moving to a new town and, you know, the sort of fears you have with that. But the thing with Max is that, you know, it's not just that he is struggling with moving. He's just very much a child about all of it. You know, mm-hmm. like 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 just every little thing kind of sets him off to where he's like standing up and be like, "Fine, fuck everything," you know. <laughs> and look, that's very standard teenager. We were, yeah. we've all been there, you know. Or if you're currently a teenager, you currently suck too, you know. It's <laughs> just like. just blanket
2: (laughs) statement you a teenager you fucking suck
1: (laughs) like we've we've all been there we all go through that stage you know so i'm not i'm not holding it against max like oh you're a bad person for that Mm. that's not what i mean i just mean that from the movie's perspective this is about max learning to appreciate his sister more you know Mm -hmm. and and the other thing that kind of works i think with that with binks is that you know and this might be a stretch but binks being this black cat. I mean, we associate black cats with like bad luck. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and and you seem to associate Binks as having fucked up big time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I still say that, you know, I
2: think both of the Binks children fucked up. Emily as well <laughs>
1: well, I mean, fucking Emily was drawn by a spell. I'm not really going to blame Emily for going off with the witch because she s- put a spell on her literally all right like that's That's not Emily's fault, and as far as Binks goes, I mean, again, he tried to save her. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault that he's not fucking powerful enough to take on three fucking witches, Chris, all right like <laughs> I really don't hold it against Binks, but the similarity between Max and Binks is that I think they both view themselves as fuck ups, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, Binks obviously does. Binks obviously holds it against himself and feels guilty that he didn't save Emily, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think the black cat is sort of representative of that and being this symbol of bad luck and guilt and whatever. And, and Max, I think, you know, aside from seeing Binks as maybe someone personality-wise to look up to in the way that he tried to defend his sister and loves her, I think he also sees a little bit of that sort of guilt and and bad luck in himself as well, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think Max probably maybe even thinks that he's, like, not, you know, maybe not worthy of his sister, maybe not... Yeah maybe not capable of, of taking care of her or being there for her because he can barely take care of himself, you know?
2: I absolutely agree with that because that's that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm defending Max a little bit more because we have this scene after they have confronted the bullies who take their candy and Max flips out on Danny and is yelling at her about how she embarrassed him in front of the guys and how he hates everything. Okay, totally
1: not cool, Max. <laughs>
2: it's totally not cool. But I think, again, as a teenager, it's tough. What's important, I think, is the scene that comes after that Danny's upset and she runs off and Max very easily I think could have still been pissy and upset but what we get is a really nice bonding moment with the two of them on the hay where Max is trying to make it up for Danny and like he is trying to be softer and that's the first moment that I think we really understand that Max and Danny care about each other and maybe used to be closer siblings than they are now
1: yeah no totally possible I mean again you know they've moved to a new town maybe they were closer I don't know (laughs) But, but Maybe it, this
2: is just the younger sibling, older brother hero worship coming through. Yeah, but I mean,
1: again, you know, it's it's your standard like what hero's journey or whatever yeah. kind of kind of format for a story, right? Like Max is on a journey to find, you know, basically that relationship with his sister again. Yeah. It, maybe maybe they never had it. Maybe they had it previously, but but he's on his journey to kind of reclaim that or or to claim that, right? Mm-hmm. And. You know, I think Binks is just this representative of kind of like Max's fear to love his sister, you know, his fear basically to be emotional, to be uh, vulnerable or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, he's he's this kid and like, look, when I, I was a teenage boy and, yeah, we, we focus very much on, for whatever stupid reason, you know, the idea of being cool or being liked or, you know, whatever – and and anything that is any sort of a front to that is like no I can't be a part of that you know mm-hmm. uh, like I went through the same thing with my sister you know we're we're we we became much closer after we both kind of grew up a little bit yeah. but but during these teenage years yeah it was very much like oh anything to do with my sister is not cool mm-hmm. you know like anything to do with her it, is not <laughs> that's not going to get me points with anyone you know so yeah <laughs> so so you know I I think that again that's why I find the movie very relatable I mm-hmm. think I think a lot of brother, sister, siblings can kind of look at this and say, "Oh yeah, we've been there," you know. Oh,
2: <laughs> absolutely, and that's one of the brilliance of this film is just how relatable it is as siblings.
1: Yeah, but what's not relatable is Max's fucking anti-Halloween bullshit. Oh, yeah, you fuck know, that like shit. like I, I like I look at this kind of movie and I'm like, you know, if this was just if this was just a little bit more hardcore adult. I would totally be okay with Max being killed off because any because <laughs> any anyone who's anti Halloween just deserves all of the bad things that happen to them. Yes. You know, trigger or Treat showed us what happens when you're anti Halloween. So. Yeah,
2: he should get stabbed by Sam. <laughs> he should get
1: st- he should get stabbed by everybody. Let every <laughs> fucking Binks should start it off by just clawing his throat and being like, "You suck, Max." <laughs> But no, but look, he is anti-Halloween, and that's what leads him to, you know, light this candle, uh, because he's once again trying to prove, like, how cool he is right in front of Allison. Because, you know, if there's anything girls love, it's being a dick and lighting a (laughs) candle when they tell you not to. Um.
2: (laughs) He just, he has to prove his manhood.
1: Right. Uh, but, but again, I, I think it makes sense that he is the one to summon the witches and not Danny or Allison or whatever, mm-hmm. not just because he's the main character, but because uh, going back to the idea that, you know, these witches are sort of like a representation of his worst parts, you know, I, I do really see a lot or, or a sort of parallel between Max and Winifred. Again, in the case that Winifred is sort of the worst thing that max can be you know yeah. because going because the thing with Winifred and her sisters is that she really is a lot like max and, and vice versa because Winifred, you know is basically she doesn't treat her sisters very well which i think is pretty obvious
2: no she you hits know, them all the time
1: <laughs> she hit she hits them it, 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 you know l- luckily it's a kid's film and so it's more kind of like a three stooges sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like just slapping each other around. So, you know, I guess a little less bad violence. <laughs> um <laughs> uh but no, she you know, she she's very disrespectful to her sisters, she projects on them. And the other thing too with her is that she thinks she's the smart one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like Winifred thinks that she's the smarter sister. And she treats the other two like dumbasses, which, granted, they are, but Winifred is also pretty fucking stupid sometimes. Yeah, and I mean,
2: Sarah's the one who remembers some of the ingredients for the potion when Winifred doesn't.
1: Exactly. And, and I got something more to say about that in a minute. Um, but, you know, Max is similar. Like, mm. Danny and fucking Allison are sitting there screaming at him, don't light the damn candle, <laughs> and he lights the damn candle. Why? Because he's a moron. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> uh, you know, so he's just very similar in that he doesn't listen to his sister. He mm-hmm. he doesn't listen to her. He thinks he's smarter than she is. And, it, you know, he just has all these qualities that are sort of shared with Winifred. And again, I feel like this whole movie is basically him kind of trying to decide uh, his path of like, do I kind of be, be more of a Winifred or do I be more of... A Binks, in the sense that, like, you know, I actually fucking give a shit about my sisters. Yeah, they fuck cats. <laughs> and fuck cats. cats yeah. Yeah, uh, obviously. <laughs> at every, every young boy's goal, yeah. I guess. Um,
2: uh, <laughs> no, but I, I really like that that take on it, that it's him summoning the worst sides of himself that he has to confront on, you know, All Hallows' Eve.
1: Yeah, it's all about him facing his demons, basically, which in this case are the Sandison sisters.
2: Yeah, for me, I kind of took it in a different direction because... We talked about this with Monster Squad, about this idea of virgins and the fact that it's always girls. It's always girls that are the sacrificial ones. So I think that it's really cool with this movie that it's it's Max and it's a male virgin. And I think that you're absolutely right. I think that it's mainly about him confronting the worst sides of himself. But the way that I kind of view it is that both Max and, by some relation, Allison, are at that weird, you know, midpoint in their lives. Not actual midpoint, but that point when you're a teenager. Where another you're...
1: midpoint. They yeah. die in 20 years.
2: <laughs> they die in 20 years. I oh, am. Yeah. But you know, it's that that weird crossroads that we're all at when we're teenagers. Where you're not a kid anymore and you're not an adult and you don't know how to define yourself. And I think what's really cool is in a lot of films with teenagers, they have a tendency to be treated older than they are. You know, it's all about, you know, the teenagers going off and having sex and being more adult-like and doing drugs. And what I think is really cool with this one, no, it's a kid's film and they're not going to do all that kind of stuff. But this is a reminder that these teenagers have an innocence to them that we don't like to acknowledge with, well, with teens very much.
1: Well, look, I mean, like any kid's horror movie, <laughs> as they tend to be, you know, it's it's another coming-of-age movie. Yeah. And the thing that's fun about Hocus Pocus that I had never actually really thought about until – Uh, this revisit is that you know hocus pocus is very much a take on hansel and gretel
2: yeah
3: in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: like i had never actually considered that but
2: oh yeah he absolutely eats the candy like the dumbass.
1: Well, well it's not about eating the candy i mean candy's involved you know because it's halloween Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more that thought of like the parents have basically kind of gone off and been like hey fuck you kids we're gonna go do adult (laughs) shit you know (laughs) yeah Uh, they're basically just like screw yourselves you take her trick-or-treating we don't give a fuck you know get out of our lives for a night. <laughs> uh, and so, so, you know, the parents kind of toss them aside and that Max is basically left wandering, you know, this uh, br- little brick road or whatever with his sister. And, you know, they're, they're both these lost kids in this new neighborhood and it, it just taking place on Halloween night, which is about, you know, the temptation of candy and all that kind of stuff um, just ends up working really well with the whole witch theme where they do come across these witches that are basically going to eat them, you know. It's all very <laughs> Hansel and Gretel. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, even
2: down to the look of their goddamn cottage.
1: Even down to the look of their cottage, and so, you know, so so it is a coming of age in that sense because that story itself is about being thrown out into the world, you know, mm-hmm. and having to take care of yourself and survive without the you know help or assistance or whatever support of your parents. And that's what they're doing through this whole movie, you know, because they don't have the help of the adults at all. So, no, because <laughs> the adults
2: are absolutely useless in this film.
1: They sure are. So, so, you know, that that's a really fun part about it. And, you know, just, just sort of a side note on this is that I love that being sort of a modern take on witchcraft, or at least at the time being a modern take in 1993, uh, is that we also sort of see fun little jokes about, like, you know, the kids being dressed in costumes actually keep the witches away
3: yeah
1: (laughs) uh you know because that's the whole idea behind Mm -hmm. or or, you know was one of the original ideas behind halloween is like oh we dress up to keep the scary shit away you know yeah they won't be able
2: to figure out you're human
1: right and it actually works on these witches (laughs) and and the thing i I just the little things that i kind of adore about this movie for how they don't make sense is how (laughs) 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 is how these sisters are so stupid that You know, they think these dorky little costumes are, you know, that these kids are hobgoblins or whatever. They that part of their, you know, coming from the past shows, but then they also pop up with like random modern jokes, you know, like Winterfred pulling up to the car later in the end and just being like, Let me see your driver's permit. You know, it's like, how the (laughs) fuck does she know about a goddamn driver's license? How does she know that?
2: (laughs) I don't know,
3: maybe they don't know
1: what a fucking ambulance is or a bus. But she knows what a driver's license is.
2: (laughs) Maybe she learned about it when they were burned in the kiln? I don't know. They learned French.
1: Well, they had a long time to learn French while being burned alive (laughs) in that kiln. (laughs) Yeah, these
2: children burned them. That's kind of fucked up.
1: Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. And I mean, that's one of those things where, like, if you do associate these witches with anti-Semitism, that moment doesn't really play very well, you know, uh, in, in, in current context. And so... But no yeah, but it's fucked up, right? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that again that I kind of love about the movie is that it it is it takes chances. It is a lot mm-hmm. darker than the sort of kids horror that you get today you know yeah like now we get like monsters Zink and shit which don't get me wrong i love monsters Inc., mm-hmm. but
2: <laughs> but in this one we actually even get swear words because uh billy butcherson who's played by doug jones uh when a friend's like ex-boyfriend he gets to call her a wench he tells her to go back to hell it's awesome
1: none of which are swears but yes hell um, is a swear it is not <laughs> hell's a swear if you're five <laughs>
2: yeah well you don't see that word in kids films
1: Whatever. <laughs> um, no, I stopped thinking of hell as a swear when I was like three years old.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you're a special
1: child. <laughs> I was a special child. Um, but no, but yeah, no, it's just very thought. I mean, holy shit, they burn these fucking witches alive, and they don't just burn them alive. They laugh at it. They like, laugh
2: and they, wa- <laughs> they watch and then they laugh.
1: They watch, they laugh, and then they dance out <laughs> and they're like, fuck yeah, we just burned three people alive, you know. And I get it. They're villains and they're witches or whatever, but um, damn kids.
2: <laughs> These kids have had a night. They've had a night. They've been running around on their own. Nobody has been helping them whatsoever.
1: Well, right. And, you know... So, I mean, the adults in this film, it just brings us into, like, you know, the the constant theme that you see with movies like this, or with really anything that sort of takes place uh, revolving around kids, is that the adults are just fucking useless. Yes. (laughs) And and I love that, because all of these movies, of course, are written by adults, and as an adult myself, I can now say that... You know, yeah, us adults pretty much acknowledge that we're fucking useless. <laughs> yeah,
2: they miss out on a lot of key points. Like Max comes home without shoes, and his parents yeah. just shrug about it.
1: Yeah, and my parents did the same thing. You know, like Wait. if I if I came home like missing something or whatever, like I got the same reaction of like, huh, that's interesting. You know, like no <laughs> no questions about it. No, like hey, what the hell happened to your shoes? You know, no, like oh, you're being bullied. We should help you. Just some just you know yeah well. Kids will be kids. <laughs> no,
2: I think I would just disappear for like most of a day and nobody
1: noticed. Well, you could sit at the bottom of a pool and it's no one nice would down <laughs> there. Uh, inside joke: Chris, one of the first times swimming, just sat at the bottom of the pool and okay, mul- had to be rescued multiple times.
2: Pretty much until I learned how to swim, I just stayed at the bottom of the pool. It's nice down there. Stop judging me. And this but is
1: and this is why I think you're so special because of the brain damage. <laughs>
2: um no the adults i want to really briefly talk about because so much with hocus pocus that i love is the shit that's happening in the sides in the corners in the wings that's not the main focus sure and so really quickly i have to bring up allison's fucking family her
1: sex cult family yes
2: the fucking rich people like where they the kids go into the house and all of them are dressed up like i don't know marie antoinette renaissance whatever the fuck era you want to say it is they're
1: pretentious pricks
2: yes and it's all a masquerade (laughs) and you know this is all the adults that are just doing a weird sex club thing.
1: Listen, and and, and funny enough, you know, again, Vanessa Shaw eventually appeared in the movie Eyes Wide Shut and it, I know for a fact that this family is having their own little eyes wide shut kind of party going on, right? Like, Oh,
2: absolutely. Like, they're all
1: masquerading and fucking later on, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> like, they don't notice that Allison hasn't come home yet oh, no, because no- of the sex shit.
1: Oh, no, they notice eventually because they were going to make Allison like the grand prize of the sex cult. Ew!
2: <laughs> okay, that's fucking dumb. You know, so
1: by the, time, by the time she gets home, her parents are like, God damn it, Allison, we told you tonight was special. You're supposed to be the main event. <laughs> So she dodged a bullet. She dodged a bullet. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, I mean, look, the the thing with them particularly, right, is that I I like their inclusion because you know, we also learned that Allison's mom owned it, or, or I think owned the museum of the Sanderson sisters or ran it. Yeah. You know, owned She's it. She's definitely
2: ran, on the committee.
1: Owned it, ran it, whatever. Right. It's, whatever
2: rich white women do.
1: But but it but it it just goes back to like you know just this idea that like just these white women fucking appropriating shit you know and just you know? like
2: yeah profiting off of like this tragedy. I mean, granted they did eat children, but like <laughs> if, if we're viewing this as actual Salem witch trials, well, we,
1: well, we could tribes. say profiting off the eating of children, right? So <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it but it's the fact that like you know it it's a very small kind of commentary in the film, but the, just this part of this commentary about. You know, again, how how the rich are very similar to the witches in a sense. You know, because the this house that Allison lives in, it's obviously not the Hansel and Gretel college or cottage. It's obviously not the Hansel and Gretel cottage of the Sanderson sisters. But it in itself is sort of alluring, you know, of like, look how fancy we are, right? And then, well, and then you l- walk, and then you walk inside, and they're basically luring these kids into their house with like, here's this cookie platter and candy and like all this great stuff, right? Which is and, super
2: not okay because kids absolutely would do that. Because I would be one of those kids that would just walk into a random house for cookies.
1: No, exactly. But that's what I mean. It's like it's super bizarre that they just let kids walk in. I mm-hmm. mean, I
2: during their sex party.
1: During their sex party, like I don't remember many. Uh, trick-or-treatings where I was allowed to just go into the house, you know? Yeah. There's always a bowl outside, at least. So, um, so no, it's almost like they're luring kids in very mm-hmm. much like you know the sanderson sisters so <laughs>
2: and they are to a sense hoarding the sanderson sisters knowledge because you pointed out they shut down the museum and the, the 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 theory with it is because so many spooky things happened but you brought it up while we were watching it normally if you're going to shut something like that down you would have dismantled everything you would have sold off what you could and they didn't they held on to everything yeah they held on to that, that child eating magic
1: yeah no that uh, to me that has nothing to do with them
2: Damn it! Owning. I thought I had something here.
1: No, I don't see anything there. That, to me, that's just a flaw in the movie of like, why the fuck would they not burn that shit down or sell it or something? It's just sitting in this fucking museum. Because they're
2: gonna use it themselves.
3: No,
1: they're not. It's been abandoned for years. You know, it's just sitting in this fucking museum for, you know, like, and 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 on one hand, I can understand it. Like, okay, they got you know, fucking like what keychains and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But then you also have this this black flame candle and the fucking book, the fucking book. <laughs> You know, made from human skin from 300 years ago, it's just sitting in this abandoned museum. You're not going to sell that somewhere. You know, I'm actually surprised that the rich people didn't fucking profit off of this somehow or right. put it in their own goddamn house.
2: Because <laughs> they're going to use it themselves when nobody's watching.
1: Right. But, but you know, the other thing about this is, like, th- there are just, you know, this being a kid's film, there are small little comments on how the adults suck. Yeah. Aside from Allison's sex cult family, you know, you also kind of get a little bit of a hint of the sort of like I guess the soul of the Sanderson sisters in a sense where you know they have the one point where they see the school and I think it's Winifred that calls it a prison for children which school very much is And, and, and you know and that's that's kind of the thing with it is that going along with the Hansel and Gretel vibe school is also kind of a place where parents are just like I don't wanna fucking take care of you for the day. Go off and go do something <laughs> else, you know, let be somebody else's problem. Yep. <laughs> uh like we think of it as education, and of course it is, and I don't agree with everybody just homeschooling. That's not that's not what I'm saying here. That's a
3: terrible idea. But
1: but school in itself was sort of created to kind of just be like, get the fuck out of our life so we can <laughs> we can go do adult shit while you go learn shit, you know? Uh so and it made me think, like, well, you know, Winterford and her sisters probably never had schooling. That's why they're all fucking stupid, <laughs> you know. Like, like they worship their mother, but I have to mm-hmm. imagine that they didn't go to school. Oh, you know, no. they, I don't they, think
2: they had school.
1: Well, no, they had school. I mean, school—the the concept of school has been around for a while, or at least learning. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like that's all been around for a while, but. Um, but I, but I tend to imagine that, like, they didn't have anything like that, you know? And so maybe they never went off to learn anything else besides witchcraft. And so yeah,
2: they
3: <laughs> that just would probably, le-
1: that'd probably explain why they're pretty dumb.
2: Yeah, they just learned out of the good, human-skinned book.
1: Exactly. And it makes sense why they're outsmarted by fucking teenagers <laughs> <laughs> consistently. This, of course, leads us to the ending. <laughs> and just...
2: <laughs> the stupidity of Winifred.
1: Yeah, so what do you think of it?
2: <laughs> uh so the ending I think is interesting because I think it goes back to what we've been talking about this entire this entire time and that's the bonds of siblings. And you know to your point Binks and Winifred represent the two sides of Max, the self-sacrificing side, which we think that Max kind of wants to be, or, you know, the petty, obsessive side that only cares about themselves. And that's what we get with Winifred, because look, you get to the end, they have a fucking buffet of children that they could choose from. Mm-hmm. And instead, Winifred decides to go after the one child who's pissed her off. Because that's more important than her and her sisters surviving, mm-hmm. or even her sister surviving, so it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, all right, you're you're dumb, you don't deserve to survive because you're so petty that you're not willing to let something go to save your family, and because of that, you are going to be defeated by a self-sacrificing older brother,
1: yeah, and I mean, it goes even deeper than that is that you know, yes, exactly, like that that is one of those moments where. You know, again, Winifred is very representative of Max's selfishness. Yep. You know, she's a selfish person where we, we know from the beginning that, you know, she mostly intends that potion for herself, not yep. her sister's. Oh,
2: she keeps making and, slips.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I think one of my favorite lines in the movie is actually after Max has drank the potion, after finally realizing of, like, maybe I should be a good brother, mm-hmm. uh, he's drank the potion and... It, Winifred has the line of, what a fool to give up thy s- thy life for thy sisters, mm-hmm. or something like that. And the way that you would read the line, you know, is to interpret it as, oh, she's just talking about what a fool to give up his life for his sister. Uh, but the way that you can kind of interpret it is, she herself thinks what a fool to give up your life for your sisters. Yeah. She herself would never do this for her sisters is basically what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I I really love that aspect of it because it just kind of, it comes full circle of like, this is the moment where Max really decides I'm not going to be the Winifred type sibling. I'm going to be the Binks type sibling, right? Yeah. Um. Granted, not being a smush cat, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> they do kill a cat uh, for the second time in this ending.
1: They do. Uh. But yeah, no. But her her true self really comes out in the end there through that line, and so and I also just want to mention too. You know, I, I there there's a the whole house break in scene uh, after they think that they've you know fucking burn the witches alive like a bunch of little <laughs> fucking maniacs um <laughs> uh that that whole scene i wish we had just like a bit more of that kind of vibe because when the witches are sort of like breaking into the house is i think the the time where the film feels most like a horror film yeah you know cuz you got like Sarah, like really Quietly, like cutting the screen in the window and everything, you know, it's very creepy. Mm-hmm. I wish we'd gotten a little bit more of that creepiness. Yeah, but yeah, no, but but aside from all that, so yeah, you know, Matt Max learns to be a good brother, all that mm-hmm. junk. Um, I also have to talk about just the thi- the other question that comes out about Binks for me in this, and I'm sorry that I've been so focused on Binks this episode, <laughs> but but there are things about Binks that rub me the wrong way. <laughs> as an adult compared to the way I watch this movie as a child. Right. So one of those things is the fact that first of all, Danny just being like, you're our cat now Uh is really weird to me now because it's kind of like, he's not a fucking cat. He's a human being. (laughs) You can't, you can't just be like, you're my little cat bitch now. And you're going to do what I say. Like that. I don't care. (laughs) You know, that part of it's weird, and then if you want to justify it with, like, oh, she's eight, she doesn't know any better, you know who should know better? Max and Allison. And when Binx is, like, cuddling with this little girl in her bed, mm-hmm. you know, to me, again, I'm sorry, little fucking weird now. It's a little fucking weird to think that this 300-year-old boy <laughs> is cuddling with a small child in her bed, you know... Just having God knows what cat thoughts. You are really
2: <laughs> fixated on Binx's sex
1: drive. I'm just saying. he's. St- <laughs> I don't care if he's in the body of a cat. He's still a fucking boy child. <laughs> <laughs> Who's been around for 300 years and is probably pretty fucking horny by this point. 300 years of not being able to do it. you know. So
2: <laughs> I thought you already determined that he was fucking cats.
1: Fucking cats, whatever. I... Maybe he is fucking cats, but the thing is, is like, sorry, I'm a little drunk. But the thing, but the thing is, is that he's still, he's still a fucking boy child, you know. And I, I assume he's into women or men. I don't know, but either way, I'm sure he's still into human beings. You know, it doesn't matter that he's do, in the body you, of a cat, he still has the it, mind of a human. Do you think
2: that <laughs> if he hadn't died, he would have tried to fuck
1: Danny? I'm not saying that because obviously he can't fuck her. He's a fucking cat, and she's a child. But <laughs> what, but what I. But what I but what I am saying is if I were Max, I would not be looking at Binks and being like, oh, yeah, it's totally cool that you're cuddling with my little sister. No. Fucking weird. Fucking weird. He is a 300-year-old boy.
2: In a <laughs> in cat bed. body. In
1: bed. With What's you lo- going to do? I don't care that he's in a cat body. It's still fucking weird to me.
2: <laughs> I... I don't I even find know how it, to respond. To I this. find it questionable.
1: And look, and Danny herself, Danny herself seems to have a little bit of a crush on Binks. Yeah, when she which sees Which makes she, it weirder. When she <laughs>
2: sees human dead
1: Binks. Exactly. She sees human dead Binks and she clearly has a crush on him. And it just makes it all the weirder. And now I think that Danny's going to grow up to be a fucking cat lady. <laughs> Just surrounded by cats because all of them are going to remind her of Binks.
2: <laughs> what a fucking weird thought process to have. I disagree with this wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Oh, so
1: what? It's just totally normal and fine and sweet that no, <laughs> fucking 300 s- year old Binks is cuddling with Danny in her bed? <laughs>
2: I feel like it's a difficult situation to navigate, but at the end of the day, A, Binx is obviously going to come home with them because he's their new friend. They're going to take care of him. They're not going to let him just roam the street and, God, you made this so fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to think about this because for me, like, I see it as just like, it's your typical magical shit. She now has a magical cat who becomes her best friend that she's not going to think about sexually because it's a fucking cat that can talk. That's what it is for all of them.
1: Well, and she's eight, so of course not. Yeah,
2: I don't think that it really occurs to any of them that Binks, that Thackeray is a human being until he dies. Until they're confronted with his humanity. And I think that's the moment that Danny goes, oh, you know, this this creature that I was bonding with has a human form that's cute. Too bad he's dead. But he's dead now, oh. so stop worrying about this shit.
1: Oh, I understand that none of them view him as a human. I'm saying Binx is a little suspicious.
2: <laughs> so is every th- fucking vampire that goes after 18-year-olds. Different situation. It is Chris. not a different
1: situation. Uh, I'm sorry, vampires going after 18-year-olds compared to 300-year-old cat cuddling with a little girl? Little different. Little different scenario. <laughs> Uh, okay, we've talked about Binx's um, creepiness enough. Too much, too much.
2: I still love Binx, and I don't agree with this <laughs> character assassination.
1: I still love Binx too. I'm just this saying is a character
2: assassination. I'm
1: just saying something a little weird about it. Wrap S- it up, bitch. S- something something <laughs> that you know my my adult self looks at and says I don't like that. <laughs> uh, but okay, we gotta wrap it up. So, who is your? Killer idiot of Hogus Pocus.
2: Look, obviously Winifred. She had a buffet of children that her and her sisters could have survived, and then she could have drawn out her revenge. She wouldn't have had to rush it. She could have had fun with it. But no, yep. this petty-ass idiot ruined everything.
1: Yeah, no, my exact answer. Don't be a petty bitch.
2: Yeah, don't be a petty bitch. Uh, Even if it's fun sometimes.
1: Oh, it's always fun. It's uh, what, fun. About, <laughs> what about your killer laugh?
2: Uh, so I had a hard time choosing. So my killer laugh is just Sarah all the time because A, I love her and I am Well Sarah- fine.
1: Okay, what I, I had this too. so what is your favorite Sarah moment?
2: <laughs> That's so tough for me.
1: I just oh, just good. the first one that pops in your head. So
2: I think my favorite Sarah moment is um look watch her when the rest of the scenes are going on. I think my favorite is when they're outside the graveyard for the first time because the kids are there and they're yelling at Billy and all that kind of stuff. And Sarah, while Winifred and Mary are talking about stuff, just fucking climbs the grave, like, gate and is just swinging in the background for no apparent reason. Mm -hmm. I love her. And that's her in the background of everything. She has dumb doe eyes. And I would marry this woman and I would take care of her for the rest of her life.
1: Yeah, I mean, she can lock me up like the two bullies and spin me around a cage anytime she wants.
2: Um. <laughs> I'm going you want to be would... tortured by her and I want to care for her.
1: That's not torture if it's from her. Um. <laughs> totally suitable life. Uh, uh, what about your killer? Wait, in- what's
2: your moment?
1: I told you my moment.
2: <laughs> you said Sarah as well, but not your moment specific well, moment
1: well i'm trying to say my favorite okay fine my my favorite moment of sarah is maybe when she eats the spider <gasps> yes um which i uh, again this is from the internet so i don't know how accurate this is but uh, but apparently she actually ate a spider which i don't know if that's true or not but
2: <laughs> props to her if it is
1: um yeah very much so uh you know makes me a little less wanting to be spun around in a cage by her because you, you know, know that's
2: sexy as fuck i don't know what you're talking about
1: no, there's nothing sexy yes, about eating spiders. Yep. No, there's not.
2: <laughs> when Sarah Jessica Parker does it.
1: So so you're so you're fine you're so so you're not okay with sexualizing Binks, but eating s- spiders is sexy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh what about Don't your killer about What about your killer MVP? I will not do this for you. Uh what about your killer MVP? <laughs>
2: it only works if it's her, okay? Um so my coach killer- <laughs> my killer mvp is uh the costume designer mary Vogt. Bo- i think that's how you say it um and look you could easily say it's for the sanderson sisters outfits which are fantastic that's not what i give a shit about what i care about is all the fucking extras in this movie Ni- it's pretty great costumes. It's great costumes. It's also, I think people forget, this is the 90s. This is before big box chain Halloween stores have shown up. This is before cosplay is a huge thing. So the coolest thing about this is you watch the kids and the adult costumes at the parties. And they're so creative. They're so inventive and detailed. And they're just fucking amazing. And it makes my soul so happy. There's two different alligators at the the adult party. Like, there's all this weird shit and I love all of it. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, no, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I mean there are some great ones. Like I, I love the the Goblin Tree or whatever the fuck that kid yeah. is. You know. So, so my vp is going to go to, uh, of all things, after I ranted about it, Binks, um <laughs> just because. Because he gets it. What do you mean? Because he gets uh, it. He doesn't get any sex. He doesn't. No, he doesn't get anything in this movie. No the
2: the (laughs) he gets death the sweet relief of death he gets
1: the sweet relief of death he does get that (laughs) no it's binks because you know binks i think is one of those things that was just very charming about the movie as a kid uh because of course we all wanted a talking cat friend you know Mm -hmm. and and just the animation for binks is incredible like even even by today's standards it holds up for me Mm -hmm. you know like i like i i appreciate this more than cg uh the reason being and you know you all know i don't (laughs) like cg but but the reason being is that you know it's my understanding that the way that they did this is they shot footage of a real cat and then basically like animated the face right and i i love that combination because you know nowadays it would just be a cg cat and you know inherently i would know that Mm -hmm. like subconsciously i would know that even if i wasn't thinking about it and by doing it this way, you know, Bink still has a presence in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a presence on screen where he feels like he's there, but he's being animated in this really clever way. Yeah. You know, and so I, I just think it's a great animation. I think it's really well done and and holds up still to today, 30 years later, you know. So I, I just thought it was a cool effect that I want to talk about. But
2: I think you just like it because he bitch slaps Max.
1: Well, and he also does that because fuck Max. Um. <laughs> And fucking anti-Halloween douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, every week on Twitter, at Killer Critics, we always like to put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film, what you think of it. So, between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on Hocus Pocus?
2: Uh, love it, obviously.
1: It is love it, but yes. I'm, but you'd be surprised a little bit by these results. So, love it was only 48.2%. <gasps> which I say only, because we've had films that get like 90%. So, yeah. Uh, so love it was only forty-eight point two percent. It's fine was twenty-seven point two percent. Fair. Don't like it was twelve point three percent, and never seen it was twelve point three percent.
2: Aww. well, you all know what to do this Halloween. Watch Hocus Pocus.
1: Absolutely. Um. So. So yeah, I'm not totally surprised by those. Mm-hmm. Although I did think love it would be a little bit. Uh, a little bit higher there, but,
2: <laughs> well, <I laughs> but again, it's just re- another
1: it's just another reminder that we're fucking old now. So
2: <laughs> oh, I was just gonna go, this is the reason why nightmare before Christmas rolls hot topic.
1: Well, it's
2: not high enough. Well,
1: I imagine even if I did Nightmare Before Christmas on this poll, I'd probably get something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we always do comments for these all as well. So these are all from Twitter. First up is from at no underscore MJ. So that's K-N-O-W underscore M J. And they say, I can quote that movie inside and out. Still can't believe the man behind High School Musical made this. It's always a go-to favorite for me and mom and holds a special place in my heart.
2: I absolutely agree with you. I did not know that he did High School Musical until Matt told me. But uh, I have to restrain myself when we watch this movie to not quote the entire thing while we're watching. It's very difficult.
1: Very quotable movie. It is. (laughs) Um, So, no, I just want to say, like, I'm... I love that it that it's a go-to favorite for you and your mother and that it's a and that it's special for you. You know, cause cause I feel similarly. Like even though it's not even though I'm not as huge of a fan of it as Chris, it's still one of those movies that like every time I watch it, it brings me back to just being a kid, watching it with my sister, you know, it's very it was one of those movies that we shared together. So I th- that's what I love about these kind of nostalgia movies from childhood, right? Is that no matter how poorly they age and not saying hocus pocus does, but no matter no matter how poorly they age or no matter how much we grew out of them, they still always kind of hold that special place, right? So yeah. anyway, thank you at no underscore MJ for the comment. Appreciate it. Next up is a comment from at Sazel. So that's M-S-A-W-Z-A-L-L. And they say, the script and plot are typical Disney schlock, but the acting, especially of Bet, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy elevate the entire film and I have no idea how they did the animation for Banks back in 93, but it looks amazing. And I had no idea Doug Jones played Billy. How cool.
2: Right. I didn't know about the Doug Jones thing either until I was pointing out to Matt how good the body work he does is. And Matt was just like, of course, because it's Doug Jones.
1: Yeah. So, so Doug Jones, for those of you who don't know, you know, one of his more famous characters maybe is the, the, uh, the eyeball man from Pan's Labyrinth. The pale right? man. <laughs> the pale man. Um, yeah, no. Doug Jones, incredible actor, uh, incredible uh, uh, creature actor, right? Uh, and he's great in this movie. Like, yes. I I love him in this movie. And another weird thing to, to go along with the spider thing with Sarah Jessica Parker again. This is internet information, so I don't know how accurate it is. But apparently, Doug Jones also actu- like had actual real live moss in his mouth that he spit out during Ooh. that scene.
2: <laughs> I I would not put it past him. He seems like very very committed that way.
1: Very committed actor, yes. yeah. So I, I wouldn't put it past him either, but just fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> so, so anyway, thank you, at Msauzel, for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh Next up is a comment from at Halloween Year Round. So that's Halloween Y-R-R-N-D. And they say, it's a great gateway horror movie to show your kids, as long as you don't mind explaining what a virgin is, since the movie says that word 80 million times.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll definitely know by the end of the movie. Uh, But yeah, great gateway horror. I mean, again, I'm biased, and I'm absolutely a Disney gateway horror bitch. So any of those are good. Hocus Hmm. Pocus, Under Wraps, Halloween Town.
1: I mean, this is why I can't have kids, because, you know, I would just basically be like, well, you know, uh, little Susie, uh, a virgin is this person who, you know, they have that special moment in their lives where they meet the talking cat of their dreams. What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, no. we're
2: not having kids. I can't course, trust Matt.
1: Of course not. Well, I don't want to have kids, but <laughs> 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 and no, you know, and, and props to anyone who does, you know, kids mm-hmm. are hard work, but they're great. Um but but no, but this was one of the first, I think the second Disney film technically to have the word virgin in it. And, and, yeah, I can imagine that's probably pretty difficult for parents to to have their five-year-old ask them, what's a virgin? I don't really know how to answer that to a five-year-old, you know? Yeah,
3: that'd be <laughs> like, tricky. Like, oh, like
1: someone who hasn't had a visit from the stork yet, you know? Like that's What the fuck? <laughs> how the fuck would you explain it to a five-year-old? I don't
2: know. I'm too drunk to think about it. It's not going to be good.
1: Exactly. This is why we're not having kids. Yeah, uh, I would just
2: be straight with them and be like, they haven't had sex yet.
1: Okay, well, that's why we're not having kids. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, thank you at Halloween Year Round for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Palmer Lynch 7. So that's P-A-L-M-E-R-L-Y-N-C-H and the number 7. And they say, Hocus Pocus isn't something I grew up with. I do enjoy it and consider it a family holiday classic. Would I really want to see someone, I don't have a podcast where I do this, so free idea incoming, watch it with an insurance professional. The property damage is cringeworthy.
2: Is there a lot of property damage in this?
1: There's a bit of property damage, yeah. <laughs> oh.
2: I mean, I know they explode in the glitter I mean they, at the end. Well,
1: they do explode. They, they set that whole fucking building on fire. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that goes down in this.
1: They destroyed the museum.
2: Yep, water damage.
1: I imagine those people dancing for hours on end probably left a lot of sweat in that, <laughs> in know, that gym or whatever it is. <laughs> I would say
2: it's their own fault, but let's be honest. Those parents would have danced all night anyways. They didn't need a fucking spell.
1: No, I don't think they would have. I think <laughs> they're, they old.
2: Would have. they're old. We're shitty parents. We're
1: old. We can't. You know, we can't. We couldn't last dancing all night till seven in the morning. <laughs> I could dream. You could dream, but it doesn't make it reality. <laughs> um. So, so no, yeah, there is a lot of property damage. I'd be curious as well to just watch it with somebody. I I've never watched a a, a property damage. Person watch a movie like this you know i'd I'd kind of want to now I'd kinda love to just watch them sit there and be like, Oh yeah, no, that's gonna cost a lot like, <laughs> <laughs> new goal uh, new goal, uh, but anyway, thank you at Palmer Lynch seven for the comment appreciate it and then last up is a couple questions from at shannon morant so that's s h a n n o n m o r a n t and they ask one, do you think this is the number one horror movie for kids?" And two, do you think the 90s had the best year for kids' horror movies and TV shows?
2: Uh, I definitely think that the 90s had the best year for kids' horror and TV shows um, because we had so much stuff. We had Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then again, since I'm the Disney kid, you had So Weird and under wraps. There's so much cool stuff to get kids into, monsters and horror and cryptids and mysteries and all of that really cool stuff that we just don't have as much today. Today we have like, what, Gravity Falls. But uh, oh we yeah, have more than that
1: but yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know if this is like the top kids horror film because I feel like there's so many different ones. Um I mean I think that currently it would be Paranorman but I'm biased.
1: It's definitely not Paranorman. I bet you most kids haven't seen that movie but, but it's
2: animated <laughs> and beautiful.
1: It is. Um so so yeah, best decade for kids horror absolutely. You know, and yes, I'm biased. I grew up in the 90s. Um but I mean, look, the 90s was everything Chris already mentioned, plus Goosebumps books, the Goosebumps TV show, Erie, Indiana. Uh, I mean, you just had an endless amount of of Monsters in My Pocket. Like, you just had an endless amount of just great horror for kids, you know? And and that definitely seems to have kind of gone to the wayside a bit and been replaced with things like, you know, Monsters, Inc. or stuff like that, which again is great and fine, but it's not the same. Yeah, You know, it's very safe. Mm -hmm. And, And these things like Hocus Pocus were were a lot better at kind of being an, a more of an entryway into scary things because they were still scary and spooky, but also fun and good for kids, you know. Yeah. So we don't we don't quite have that balance in as many things these days as we did back then. Um, the number one horror movie for kids? I mean, I don't know. That's impossible for me to say. It wasn't for me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but you, you know, were
2: watching Christine. <laughs>
1: Well, yes, I was watching shit like Christine and the Gates and, you know, Monster Squad and other shit that we talked about. So um, but but I do definitely think that, you know, it it is it is in that top five 90s kids horror movies for Mm -hmm. sure.
2: Oh, it's Nightmare Before Christmas, isn't it?
1: Well, that was probably number one. Yeah, because, I mean, fucking every kid I knew watched that movie. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, thank you at Shannon Morant for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, and so we always do our ranking for the end of the month as well. So so far this month, or so for this month, we watched uh, Hocus Pocus, uh, The Gate, Goosebumps, Monster Squad, and Paranorman. So how would you rank the films on our month overall?
2: Uh, so I had a tough time with this one, um, but for me, number five is Goosebumps. Wah wah, but that's expected. Um, the next two basically got ranked on which rebel boy I liked better. So number four for me is The Gate. Number three is Monster... You bastard. <laughs> I can't help it. I like Rudy better. So Monster Squad gets to be number three. You um- bastard. <laughs> Paranorman is number two. And Hocus Pocus is my definitive gateway whore. So it has to be number one.
1: That makes sense. Uh, my list is very different from yours, obviously. Obviously,
2: because so. <laughs> your gateway is different.
1: Uh, so Goosebumps was the easy one. Goosebumps yep. is the worst one for me, and I, we're
2: so sorry, Jack Black.
1: <laughs> we're sorry, but yeah, just not easily not the best movie. The list. Yeah. Um, and then Hocus Pocus, <laughs> uh, which because is of a, the
2: cat, isn't it?
1: Totally because of Banks. Um, and then and then Paranorman because that movie I just I relate to it so much. Uh, so that became the number three. And then Monster Squad because, of course, it's fucking Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. I'm a monster geek. I love the monsters in that movie. Uh, and then The Gate because The Gate for me of these five was sort of like the quintessential gateway horror movie for me Yeah. growing up. You know, that was the one that I really grew up with that I watched all the time that scared me and helped get me into horror. So that's number one for me. <laughs> <laughs> and again, always remember, these are not based on... Best, they're based on favorites. Yep. You know, I'm not saying that the gate is the best of these five, but it is my favorite. So, yeah. so as uh, before, we wrap up. We also have our releases for the week, and as far as the releases go, it's a very fun week. This kind of kicks off a very busy October uh, in terms of horror releases. We have a ton of good shit coming. Uh, but as far as this week goes, first up is a film called Sissy, which will be on Shutter by the time you're listening to this. And this is basically about a sort of, like, lonely uh, influencer with a bullied past who goes to stay with her used-to-be best friend and this girl who used to bully her all the time at this cabin with some other uh, people and don't want to see anything more from there, but it basically evolves into kind of, like, a very stylish, glitter-infused slasher. Ooh. Um, So it's very fun, very bloody, very fucked up. And also just totally eviscerates the influencer community, you know? <laughs> and, and sort of the narcissism that kind of goes into that old group. So so definitely a fun movie. Definitely worth checking out there. The other one coming out is My Best Friend's Exorcism, which will be on Prime. And I have not seen this yet, but it does look like a lot of fun. Uh, everyone I know who's read the book loves it. Uh, you know, obviously about a girl who becomes possessed and... You know, friends trying to exercise the demon. Uh, but it looks like a great time, so check that out if you can. And then lastly is Smile, which will be in theaters by the time you're listening to this. And Smile is basically about this woman who encounters a creepy person smiling. And it becomes kind of like this chain of smiles that lead to death eventually. Kind of a rain sort of setup, like you die after a week or whatever. Um, but so far, the word of mouth coming out for this one is that it is fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of people have compared it to something like the rain, so uh so definitely sounds like it's worth checking out. You know it might be a lot better than some of you might think um but that's and then of course also this week we had hocus Pocus two coming out. It's just a lot of great releases to check out uh currently on Twitter, we have our poll up to decide our next topic at the moment, it's between haunted houses and ghoulish graveyards, so we'll see which one it ends up being. Uh, But we will be releasing our schedule later this week, so you can keep an eye out for that and see what we're going to be covering in October. Other than that, thanks for joining us for the Entering Gateway Horror Month. And I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye.
0: I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.